Welcome, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This message from our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, continues our series, The Inner Workings of Worship, where we have been focusing on the Apostles' Creed. If you'd like to listen to other messages in this series, or something from the archives, head to ccgf.org slash sermons, or download the Christ Church app available on iOS and Android devices. Here is Pastor Jared with the sermon, I Believe He Will Come Again. Thank you for listening. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we do thank you for moving us in our spirit so often, so mightily. Father, that you're with us, that you speak to us through every aspect of life. And Father, I pray that as we sing that song, Lord, that we take it to heart, that when we do get moved in our spirit, that we do pray to you, that we seek you out. In the world around us, Father, we need you, your presence, you speaking to us even more. Oh, Father, we are so grateful for what you've done for us. The fact that you're alive and well and want to have a relationship with us. Father, thank you for that. And thank you for what you teach us in your word. You teach us so much. Father, I pray that you speak to us now. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart. And that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. That we walk out of this church changed, Father. Inspired, motivated to go preach your word, Father, as we look at the passage of your imminent return. We thank you for today. Be with us. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, what a... uh, What a great passage we have in front of us here today. It's a tough one. You know, we're in a series called the Apostles' Creed. We're looking at the various aspects of the creed. And as we said many times, we're going to look at the various aspects of what we do here on Sunday mornings. Because what we do here on Sunday mornings isn't just random things. But we do them because Scripture commends them. And one of the things we're doing with the creed is it really gives us a foundation of what we believe. I uh, was speaking to a uh, gentleman a few weeks ago who uh, caught me out in the comments after the service and was really appreciative of the series that we're doing, the Apostles' Creed, because he was talking to a coworker, a friend of his, and was trying to tell him about the love of Jesus. And he said he was really fumbling with some of the words. And finally, uh, finally the gentleman asked him, well, what, what, what really do you believe? And it just kicked. He said, I believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. And he went through the whole creed. It's really... What we believe here, it's a foundation of what we believe. And as we said from the get-go, this isn't a, a Christ church thing. The creed isn't a, uh, an Anglican thing. The creed isn't a Protestant versus Catholic thing. It goes way back to the very beginning. It's a foundation of what we believe. And if you were here last week, it was a powerful service. Pastor Jamie was here and talking about how Christ ascended into heaven. It sits at the right hand of the Father. You know, one of the things about the creed is that really gives us a lot of hope, doesn't it? As we look at the world around us, especially the news this week, we really need some hope, don't we? And looking at the creed, looking at what Christ has done and what he is going to do, the fact that he's coming again, gives us so much hope. Because he, we look at the world around us, we go, well, it's not falling apart. God has everything in his, in his control. Everything is, is ordained by him. He's got it all there. It's not out of control. He's here. He's alive. And he's going to come back again. That gives us so much hope, church. So much hope. And we need that revival. And I echo what John said about the September 
trip to Harrisburg. I want to encourage you to be there. Because we really need a revival in our country. And prayer. Prayer works. Amen? Prayer moves things. That's why when we're prompted in our spirit to pray, we pray. So I encourage you to be there as well. But this week we look at that, that phrase, I believe he will come again. Now even as uh, John and I were talking in the vestry, this is a tough passage. This is a tough topic because the end times are a big deal. There are many people who spend their lives looking at the end times. There are many books being written about the end times. There are many, many movies done about the end times or eschatology, the study of the end times. What will it be like? What will happen? What's going to happen during the end times? I remember as a kid, I grew up in a, a Christian school, and so uh, we were, uh, I don't say forced, but we were asked to watch a movie about the end times. And I, and I still today say this is one of the most frightening movies I ever saw. I remember being in third grade and watching this movie. It was a movie that was really made in the 70s. And it was uh, based upon this passage. And it reminded me as we read this passage, the one phrase that we don't know the time of night the thief would come. So there was a movie, many of you may have heard of it, called A Thief in the Night. A Thief in the Night was a movie about the end times. And the atrocities that would happen at Christ's coming and what would happen uh, because of that. People uh, being taken up, some being left behind. A famous song written about that. So I remember watching that movie and it always reminds me, it's one of the most frightening movies I ever saw. uh, Especially as a kid. Now as I look at it older, I think the quality of it is probably more scary than anything else. But let let me show you a little snippet of what many people saw. In the 70s and 80s. It's called A Thief in the Night. Take a look at this video. Reports keep coming in from all over the globe, confirming it as true. To say that the world is in a state of shock this morning would be to understate the situation. The event seems to have taken place at the same time all over the world, just about 25 minutes ago. Suddenly and without warning, literally thousands, perhaps millions of people just disappeared. A few eyewitness accounts of these disappearances have not been clear, but one thing is certainly sure. Millions who were living on this earth last night are not here this morning. Speculation is running high that some alien force from outside our system has declared war on the planet. And some feel it to be a spectacular judgment of God. The United Nations is in a special emergency session.
so that, that's the movie, Thief of the Night. Now, I was in third grade, okay? Scary to me. In fact, even to this day, every time I'm shaving and I see that electric shaver, I think about that movie, A Thief in the Night. It goes on to talk about all the atrocities that would happen when Christ comes. People, you know, pilots that are flying and one's taken away or buses that are going down the road. What would happen behind the, the driver's seat if there's no one sitting there? And so I remember watching that movie and being just terrified. Now, there's one other part of that movie I need to show you that is uh, even more frightening to me. And uh, it involves the singer. So we're going to show one more little clip of this video. I want you to take a look at what this, uh, the singer is, uh, who the singer is and what she's singing. So roll this video. that. That right there is my mother. That is Vonnie Ott, my mother, who happens to be in this movie. So I always joke the fact that the scariest movie I ever saw is actually one that has my mother in it. Uh, that is my mom. She was, in a, she was a professional singer at the time, and uh, she happened to be in this movie. Uh, they used her and her band to be in there. And so what's uh, even more frightening is they've translated that movie into many languages. So watching my mother sing with a Vietnamese uh, 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 singer over top of her is even more frightening. But that's my mom, a thief in the night. And that movie goes on to say, oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you need to clap for that. I, I, we, as a family, definitely are not clapping for that for my mom. Well, that song that she sings became a very famous song. It was uh, uh, redone a number of times. Life was filled with guns and war, and all of us got trampled to the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children die. The days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. It's powerful. It was a, the movie was somewhat criticized because it was a, people said it was a scare tactic. Scare tactic. You're scaring people to come to know Christ. And I could see that being true, but I could say from this scripture that we just read, there's nothing. It is scary if you're not ready. It is scary. But for those of us that are ready, those of us that know and love the Lord as our personal Savior, there's nothing scary about the end times. There's nothing scary about it. There's been many books that have written since then, many movies on different views of the end times. And you know, we could spend uh, years looking at the end times. If you were with us a few years back, uh, Dick Jenkins, our Christian ed teacher, uh, did a series on Revelation. Talks a lot about the end times. And it took him about two years to go through. I mean, a long time. We could spend two, four, six, eight years going through the end times. And people devote their lives to the end times. There's different views on it. And what I want to do is I'm not going to spend four years. I'm going to give you four, the four-minute version. Of the different views of the end times. Why? Because I want you to know how this applies to us in everyday life. See, there's a lot of different views. And some of us go, yeah, I've got a view, or, or you subscribe to a view, or I have no idea even what the end times would even look like. I look at Daniel or Revelation, I look at seven bowls and seven trumpets and seven uh, signs, and I get all confused. So here's a couple different views of the end times. The first, one of the views of the end times is called dispensational premillennialism. It's two of the biggest words that I can think of that we just kind of shoved together. That's one of you. Now, if you're kind of a Baptist view, this probably is maybe where you would fall in line. Dispensationalism is really periods of time. 
Okay, periods of time, a system or organization particular for a particular time. So people would say, well, God dealt with mankind in a series of dispensations. And if you look at it, there's about eight, depending on how you, how you, how you flush them out. So that's one view. A dispensation would be from, from uh, the time of Adam to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the fall, to the fall to Noah, Noah to uh, uh, Abraham, Abraham to Moses, Moses to Christ. His death, and then the, the church age, which we're in now, and then the, the uh, tribulation and the millennial time, and then the, the coming, the new kingdom, and new heaven and new earth. So there'd be eight. And that during this time, this view would say during a, a tribulation time that Christ would come right before that time. That's where that movie probably would uh, kind of stem from a dispensational premillennialism, also known as pre tribulational. The second view would be more of a what they call a historical premillennialism. Now, if you are uh, Pentecostal, come from that background, you'd probably fall into this category. Where you'd say, well, Christ comes, but it comes after a period of a tribulational time. Before a millennium. A millennium is what's talked about in Revelation 20. At the end of this millennium, there's a big battle, Gog and Magog. And Satan's released, and there's a big battle, and Christ wipes them out and forms a new heaven and a new earth. That's a historical premillennialism. Then there's a, a, a third theory, which is called post-millennialism. They say, you know what? No, Christ is going to come at the end of a millennial time. That at the end of a, a millennial time, as it talks about in Revelation 20, there's still going to be a battle, Gog and Magog, and there's going to be a huge battle, and Christ is going to come, and that's going to be the one and only time he comes. He's going to wipe it out. It's going to be a new heaven and new earth after that. And then there's the fourth view. It's the amillennialism. Now, if you grew up Catholic, you probably would subscribe to the amillennialism view. This is more of a reform view. Amillennialism view would say that the thousand years, as it talks about in Revelation, is more symbolic in nature. And that the promises made to Israel and, and David and Abraham are already fulfilled by Christ during this age, which is the millennial age. So those are, those are different views. And in fact, some of you have different views. Some of you would say, yes, I subscribe to one of those views. Some of you would say, I have no idea what those views are. Some of you are still figuring out what those words even mean. I know growing up, <laughs> interestingly enough, I went to a church that was dispensational premillennialism. I got to college and they taught postmillennialism. I got to my seminary work and they were talking historical premillennialism. Now I'm in a church where a lot of people ascribe to amillennialism. So I think what's going to happen is we're all going to get to heaven and one-fourth of us are going to get up and go, see, I told you so. I knew that was going to happen. That's eschatology. That's the four-minute version of eschatology for you. Different views. And you could spend your whole life looking at these different views. You could spend years looking at the, the biblical references for these different views. And there's many views within these views that get uh, kind of distorted and changed in different versions. You could spend years of your life looking at that. And I know that there's people that that's all they focus on is the end times. What's it going to be? What's it going to look like? Here at Christ Church, John and I have used this term. We're not going to major in the minors. In other words, we're not going to major on what it looks like at the end. Because there's one key throughout all of these different views. No matter what view you look at, all comes from the scripture. The key is, no matter which view you subscribe to, the outcome is the same. Jesus will come again. Jesus will come again. Whether Jesus is going to come before a tribulational period, in the middle of a tribulational period, after a tribulational period, during a millennial, in the middle of a millennial, or in the millennial right now, he's coming again. That's what I know. 
That's what bases my whole life around. I know that, that Christ is coming again. That's why we can say the creeds from any uh, point of view, and it, any point of view throughout different denominations. Because we say in the creeds, I believe he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Now, you could put your own view in there of when that looks like or how that, how that all transpires or with the timing all of it. But the key is, is that I believe he will come again. I believe he will come again. Church, that should give us so much hope about what's going on in the world around us. I should also push us to want to tell others about the love of Jesus Christ. But no one knows the day. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you. We're, we're in Matthew uh, 24, uh, that movie we just read. Obviously, it's a very famous passage. Matthew 24, starting in verse 36. It says about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. You know, I wonder what it would look like if we all knew the day that Jesus was coming again. I think we'd all act very differently. I think many of us would, would, would try to wait until the very last moment to make that decision to say, you know what, I want to make him Lord of my life. Many, of you, many people have that view now. to say, you know what, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to, because I understand putting my faith and trust in Jesus would probably change my life so radically that I'm just going to wait for things to kind of fall into place before I really give my life to him. And as we look at the world around us, the atrocities going on, the people getting uh, killed in various places, innocent people, we go, uh, my, my question is, is, would you ever even know if you made it to that time? One thing is, is that life is unfortunately so uncertain, but our salvation is certain. So many of us would wait. Many of us would also be very careless in wanting to share the love of Jesus. We'd say, you know what? He's not coming back for another five years, ten years, seven years, whatever it is. We'd wait. We'd wait. I'm not going to make anybody uncomfortable. We'd wait. But we don't know. About that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. There have been many people throughout the history of the world that try to predict when the end of the world would come. Many thought the year Y2K, that was, the, that was it. That was the end times. The Mayans, if you remember a few years ago, the Mayans had this thing, 2000, uh, 2012. That's the, for, for hundreds and thousands of years, they said, Christ is coming back. And two, that's the end of the world, 2012. I was talking to John before uh, the service, and I've talked to so many other people, that during World War II, people thought it was the end of the world. We have some veterans here in our church that I've talked to. You look at what was happening there with Hitler and the genocide that was happening. People said, that is definitely the end of the world. People look at our world around us today and go, ISIS, that's the end of the world. That's it. It's happening. I know that I went to a church, there was a gentleman, I won't mention his name, but he would walk around telling everybody that he knew that we were in a seven-year tribulation and that it was coming. And so he, at the end of it, he would try to sell all his possessions. And we said, listen, don't do that. People try to predict all day about when, the Earl, when the end of the world was coming. But don't get focused on the minors. Because you can spend all day. The key is, is that no matter how you shake it out, Scripture is very clear that he's coming again. And Scripture is also very clear that we need to have certain attitudes with that. 
certain attitudes. So you may say, well, how does this apply to my own life? We know he's coming again. What does that make me want to do? What do I need to have? What kind of attitude do I need to have? It's right here in our scriptures, the first one. First off, attitude for Christ's return. We, we need to be alert. We need to be alert. It says in verse 37, if you have your Bibles, as it says in the days of Noah, so will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving up in marriage, up to the days Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, the other one left. The first thing we have to do is realize we have to be alert. We've got to be alert. You know, I think of uh, Noah when I read this. You know, the, uh, out in Cincinnati, they just finished uh, the replica of Noah's Ark. If you've seen that on the news. Which is, is exciting. I, I want to go and see this thing. It, was, it looks phenomenal. But you see the ark. And you go, that thing is huge. And the, and the people walking into it, you see pictures, are, are minuscule. And it made me think as I was reading the passage this week, I go, how in the world would people not be uh, uh, alert to something that was, something was going to happen? Here was this guy who built this ginormous ark. People weren't alert. It, that was the case when Christ came the first time, he was healing diseases. He was healing the sick. He was performing all kinds of miracles. He was calming the storm. But yet the same thing happened. People weren't alert to it. They weren't looking for it. So he went unnoticed for many people. The key is verse 42. Keep watch because you do not know on that day your Lord will come. We need to be alert, church. Are you alert? Are you alert to the fact that he will come again? That he will come again someday? And whether it's before a tribulation, after a tribulation, the middle of it, during a millennium, before a millennium, after a millennium, are you alert to the fact that he will come again? Are you alert to that fact? The second thing is not only do we need to be alert, according to the scriptures here, is we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Verse 43 says, says this, But understand this, if an owner of the house has known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready. Ready or not, here I come. I used to say with my kids when we played hide and seek, ready or not, here I come. In fact, I think Christ is saying that too. Ready or not, I'm coming. The question is, is are you ready? Being ready really means being saved. Knowing that the Lord is your Savior. Putting your faith and trust in Him. That's being ready. It's not being ready uh, materially or physically. It's not making sure life is in order. It's simply being saved. Are you ready? What's great about this church is that for those of you who aren't saved, salvation comes like that. It's as simple as confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, declaring your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It can be instant. And so you can walk in here being unprepared, walking out being ready And we don't need to worry about the end times. We don't need to fear the end times because we can stand in front of our our heavenly father at that time and he'll say, why should I let you into the kingdom? You say, well, because I know and love you as Lord and Savior. It's as simple as that, being ready. Are you ready? There was a great fable that uh, William Barclays, William Barclays was a great theologian. And he tells of this fable. And speaking of being ready, there are three apprentices, apprentice devils who were coming to earth to finish their apprenticeship, he writes. They were talking to Satan, the chief of all the devils, about their plans to ruin men. 
The first said, I will tell them there is no God. Satan said, this will not delude many, for many know that there is a God. The second said, I will tell them there is no hell. And Satan said, you will deceive no one this way, for men know that there is a hell for sin. And then the third one said this, I will tell men there is no hurry. And Satan said, go. You will ruin men by the thousands and millions. Because the most dangerous of delusions is that there's plenty of time. Question, churches, are you ready? Are you ready for him to come? To judge the living and the dead. For those of us that know and love our Lord, we're the living. And we can be excited about that. We can have confidence and assurance of that. Luke 12 says, be dressed and ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So that when he comes back and knocks, he can immediately open the door. If he, it would be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he would dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Are you ready? Maybe you're out there and saying, you know what, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't know when he's coming, but I'm not ready. I have never asked him to be the Lord of my life. It's as simple as praying that prayer, saying, Lord Jesus, I understand I'm a sinner, that you died for me. I ask for forgiveness of that. I, I, I want to make you Lord of my life so that I can have a relationship with you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Not only do we need to be alert, not only do we need to be ready, but we need to be faithful, don't we? We need to be faithful. You know, the... This verse isn't in here. It's the next few verses. If you have your Bibles, it starts in verse 45. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, Who then is faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them food at the proper time? It will be good for the servants whose master finds them doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Church, are you being faithful? Some of us are living life Maybe we know and love the Lord as our Savior. We're just living life. We're just kind of waiting till the end. What Christ is saying here is we've got to be faithful. Faithful for the gifts he's given you. Are you serving? Are you using those gifts here in the church? Are you using those gifts? Are you just living life? Are you going out and proclaiming the good news with the people around you? Your family, your friends. Are you doing that? Are you being faithful? There was a, a famous movie, I won't mention the movie, but uh, throughout the movie, it was a comedy movie, and the, the, the lead character uh, throughout the movie would always tell people, he's trying to live a good life, he would always tell people, is that where you want to be when Jesus comes back? Is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes home? Is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? And I always laughed at that. It's true. Are you being faithful? Are you just living life? Are you being faithful? You're saying, you know what, my time here is temporary, I'm going to use the gifts God's given me to serve. There's so many aspects in our church where we need people to serve. Various ways, whether it's the cafe or greeters or children's ministry or youth ministry or here on Sunday mornings, all kinds of different. Are you serving? Are you using your gifts? Are you being faithful? Are you going out and sharing the good news with those around you? Do you have that same passion to go do that, knowing that Christ could come at any moment? Are you being faithful? Are you being faithful? It's so powerful to be able to say that we believe that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead, isn't it? Because it gives us so much joy.
That's the song we just sing. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. We sang that in the beginning here of this service. Sing hallelujah. The days of Elijah. He's coming back. We can celebrate that church. But are you alert? Are you ready? Are you being faithful? Let me ask you to stand. As we conclude our service, we're going to say the Apostles' Creed. The reason we go through this is that you can say it with full confidence and full assurance of what you believe. Because it's what the Bible says. History of the church, they would ask the church, Church, what do you believe? And everyone would respond with this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As the music uh, prepares us for our last song, there's one other thought I need to say. Because there's one other attitude that you need to have. It's not only about being alert, being faithful, being ready. It's about being hopeful. We look at the world around us and we think, man, things are falling apart. Maybe you're looking at your own life and you're thinking, you know what, I've got all these issues going on in my life. There's my, my finances are a mess, my children are a mess, my marriage is a mess. Things are falling absolutely apart. What hope do we have? Thomas had that same thing when he was talking to Jesus before his death. He said, Jesus, what's going to happen? Jesus says to Thomas, I go and prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I will take you with me. So that you may be where I am. Thomas says, I I don't know how to get there. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not just about being alert and being ready and being faithful. It gives us so much hope, doesn't it? So much hope that no matter what's going on in the world around us, the atrocities going on, the killings that are going on, the government and issues in other countries, maybe you're to yourself, you look at your own life and you go, there's so many issues going on in life, I can't even, I can't even focus on it. But your hope for tomorrow bring you strength for today. 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we what? We fix our eyes. Fix our eyes. Not what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we are so grateful for the fact that you teach us that you're you're coming back. 
Father. I pray that you be with those in this room. Maybe there's one or two or three or ten that maybe say, you know what, I'm not ready. I've been waiting a long time, but today I want to be ready. Oh, Father, impress upon them the need to simply cry out to you, simply saying, Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Come save me. I put my faith and trust in you as Lord. Thank you for saving me, Father. That's you, that prayer that you can say right then and there. It's, it's instant. And you can walk out with full confidence and assurance that you're not only alert, but you're ready. And Father, for those of us that do know you and love you as Savior, Father, help us be faithful to use the gifts that you've given us to go out and proclaim your good news. And for all of us, Father, thank you for the hope that we have. As we will sing, my hope is built on nothing less. Oh, Father, we are so grateful for that. I ask that you be with us in the days ahead. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.